And uh, this morning's reading is from John's Gospel. And uh, in our morning services, we've been looking at our way through John's Gospel. And it's just been a privilege to hear and see Jesus uh, at work and all that he said and did. And uh, just for those of you who uh, are wondering what time the service is going to finish because you're visiting us, I'm going by that clock, which says 25 to 8. <laughs> yes. So I've got at least four hours. So. Oh, no. Yes, there's a wedding this afternoon. We can't do that. So two hours. John's Gospel was written by uh, one of the disciples of Jesus, who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, saw the things he did, was an eyewitness to all the things that Jesus said and did, was an eyewitness to the resurrection as well. And he writes his gospel so that we may believe in Jesus. That's the purpose of John's gospel, that you may continue to believe in Jesus if you already believe in Jesus. And from chapter 13 onwards, John deals with, and that's nearly, well, over 40% of the gospel deals with the last week or so of Jesus' life. How he prepares his disciples for what is to come, for their mission in the world. And here in chapter 17, we have a prayer that is recorded for us. Of the 21 prayers recorded for us in the Gospels, um, Jesus begins 20 of them with the word Father. There's only one prayer that Jesus prays. And that's the prayer from the cross when he cries out, quoting a psalm, Psalm 22, that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But every other prayer that Jesus prays, he begins with the word Abba, or Papa, dear Father. And it is a privilege for us to listen to this prayer. And I, I would call this the Lord's Prayer. Many people call the prayer in Matthew's Gospel the Lord's Prayer, that was a model prayer for the disciples. We should call that the disciples' prayer. This is the Lord's prayer. This is Jesus in prayer. So I want to read it as a prayer. So shall we pray together? Jesus looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. 
Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. I've been reading this prayer all week, and I have been humbled again and again and again that I have had the privilege of listening to Jesus praying. There is something quite awesome when you sit with somebody and you hear them praying. Not when they're reciting a prayer that they've learnt, because that's good, but this is different. Not when they're sort of recanting something off by heart, but when you listen to someone crying from their heart, revealing their heart, exposing their heart to God, that is a precious thing. That, I believe, is a holy thing. And you get a window on the soul. Because the content of our prayers are the expressions of our heart. And so when we have the privilege of hearing Jesus in prayer, we are looking right into the heart of God. We have a window into the heart of God. What is Jesus concerned about? Because that's when real prayer begins. When we, when we start falling before God, the concerns of our heart pour out. So what is the concern of Jesus? Bearing in mind that within a few hours, Jesus will be arrested, he will be tortured within an inch of his life, and he will be nailed to a cross, crucified. What is he going to pray about? What would you be praying? What would I be praying about? You don't need three guesses to know what I would be praying about. We get a window into the heart of Jesus. He is concerned with the Father's glory. 
the Father's glory. The time has come, Father. This is the longest prayer recorded for us. And it begins with Jesus acknowledging and wanting to glorify his Father. He wants to complete the mission that his Father has given him to do. That's why he came. For God so loved the world that the Father gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Father, glorify your Son, says Jesus, that your Son may glorify you. How does Jesus glorify his Father? By obedience. All that Jesus has said is what the Father's told him to say. All that Jesus has been doing is what the Father's told him to do. And now he is coming to the hour, the time, when he is going to give his life for the world. And he says in this prayer, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. So Jesus glorifies his Father by obedience. There is still yet a huge and awful task awaiting him. But through his obedience, he will bring salvation to the world. Because God is for us. The other thing that's been going through my mind, I'm speaking tonight on God is for us. The challenge I've had is, are we for God? God is always for us. Are we for God? And the Father will glorify the Son by raising him from the dead. And he will be restored to the place that he had before the world began. Here we have uh, one of those nuggets in the Bible that says clearly that Jesus is divine. That Jesus is God. One with the Father and the Spirit. Because he was there from the very beginning. He is saying to his Father, glorify me with the glory I had before the world began. That when Jesus goes through the cross and when he comes back to life in the resurrection. And when he ascends, he goes back to where he came from. The glory of heaven that he laid aside for us but will be restored to him. And one day, he is promised that the glory he has there, he will come to earth with and in, that everyone will see him as he is. Jesus also focuses in the first part of this prayer on eternal life. Eternal life is a phrase that we've seen so far if we've been reading through John's gospel 14 times. It's there in that most famous verse I've just quoted. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus gives a description here of what eternal life is. Some people would say well, eternal life is just endless life. Makes sense. Life for eternity. Jesus says eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing Him. That's eternal life. Because when you know the Father and you know Jesus, you know that you are forgiven. You know you have eternal life forever. Eternal life begins with acknowledging who the Father is and who Jesus is. Now, sometimes we get confused. Why does John put Jesus Christ? I can only come up with my explanation because I read through certain people and they just gloss over this. 
Because I can't imagine Jesus praying this prayer and saying, bring glory to Jesus Christ. My only theory is that if John had put, bring glory to me, there would have been a temptation amongst some wacky Christians to glorify John. Jesus Christ, the word there, I think is John just saying, it's all about him. This is what I heard Jesus praying. It was about him. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. And it's Jesus who reveals that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. We would not know we had a Father in heaven who loves us without Jesus coming to us. And this knowledge, knowing Jesus, knowing the Father, is not head knowledge. It's not a religious knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's a soul knowledge. It's a faith knowledge. It's a relational knowledge. Because Jesus wants us to have a relationship with God that is real. Jesus came to restore, to heal, to forgive, to put right. And when we put our trust in him, we are allowed to have a relationship with God. And prayer is the means. The privilege we have of prayer is we can talk to God. We know, every one of us knows in this room, that you have a relationship with somebody through communication. You communicate. When you stop communicating with one another, the relationship suffers or even breaks down. Jesus has taught his disciples how to pray. He gave them a model prayer. But it was never meant just to be recited, just learnt and learnt and learnt. It was a model for prayer. Because he wants a relationship. Jesus wants to know what's on your heart when you pray. Pour out your hearts to him. Acknowledge who he is, yes. Worship him, yes. But he wants to know what's on your heart. This new life, this eternal life, begins the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And it will continue through death. It will carry us through death into what is to come. Whether we go and be with Jesus before he comes again or whether we're privileged to be on this earth when he comes again. And that's assurance. Do you know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, you know you have eternal life because you know him. And Jesus is the only one who is able to bring that offer of salvation because the Father has given him all authority. That's what Jesus says in this prayer. You've given me all authority. He says it again in the end of Matthew's gospel when he sends out his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Another description of Jesus' divinity. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. He alone can rescue. He alone can save. There is no other savior. Secondly, he prays for his disciples. Remember, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to go through all that suffering. He prays for his disciples. And I believe that we can apply it to ourselves as well, that he prays for his disciples then, but we're disciples if we follow Jesus. We can apply this to ourselves. He calls those who have believed in him, taken him at his word. And that's what we do. When we, when we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we take him at his word. We are believing the words of Jesus. 
Not something else someone has told us. We are believing the words of Jesus. So we put our faith in his words. And Jesus is really clear here. He says, I'm not praying for the world. But I'm praying for those, Father, you have given me. So at this moment in time, he is not praying for the unbelieving, rebellious, hostile world. He's praying for those that have been given to him by his Father. And he is conscious that he is going to leave them soon. And he has already promised them the presence of his Holy Spirit. That Jesus is going away and by going away he is enabled to pour out his Holy Spirit. But he also prays to his Father. And he entrusts the disciples to his Father. He entrusts his disciples to his Father for his care and protection. His care and protection, not from suffering, not from pain, not from a persecuting world, because he's already warned them that the world will hate you if you follow me. What does he ask the Father to protect them from? He asks the Father to protect them from the enemy. That they will not be lost to the world. They will not be lost to the world. Jesus prays for you and I that we will not be lost to the world. Because we are not of the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And the Father is entrusted that we will not be lost. Now, we have a part to play in that. Because we have to stay close to Christ, stay close to Jesus. And I think Jesus here, with sadness, just makes a comment about one who was lost. Judas was lost to the world, to the devil. Scriptures say that Satan entered him and he was lost. It says the disciples do not belong to the world but will be sent into the world as we are sent into the world. And he asked the Father to look after them as Jesus has looked after them while he was with them. We don't always see that bit of side of Jesus. We see him admonishing the disciples. We see him saying, oh, are you so slow to learn? But we don't see this side, that Jesus has shepherded his disciples through those three years. He has cared for them. He has protected them. And now he's saying, Father, will you protect them as I have protected them in these last few years? And he also prays for joy for them in the midst of it all, that they may have joy We are to be joyful people as followers of Jesus. In the midst, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the ups and downs of life, we have joy because we belong to Christ and we are secure in him. We have joy. And we are also set apart, consecrated for the mission. Jesus calls it sanctify them. That means set them apart. Because, Father, as you sent me, I have sent them. And then finally in this prayer, he prays for those who will believe in their message. And this is definitely for us. He prays for those who will believe in the message of Jesus after he has ascended. Through the witness of the early disciples. And many of you are here today. Jesus has been praying for you. And the Bible says he continues to pray for you. He intercedes for you. Isn't that wonderful? 
to know that Jesus is praying for me. There's a quote from Robert Murray McShane. He said, I, if I could hear Jesus praying for me, I would not fear a million enemies. And today we've heard Jesus praying for us. Therefore, we will not fear a million enemies. What does he pray for us? He prays for those who will believe in the message. Soon the disciples will take the gospel all over the world and it's still running. The gospel is still running. Even in Chipping Camden, it's still running. It's got good legs. It's still running. Week by week, we're witnessing personally in our workplaces, in our situations around our homes and communities. And then we have the Alpha Ron and the coffee and chat and the men's breakfast and the filia and the ladies' lunches. We're witnessing to Jesus. That's what we're here for. And Jesus prays that the disciples who come after may be one with him and the Father. That we may understand that we are one with the Father and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That the world may believe in Jesus. He also prays here for unity. That the world may know that you, Father, sent me and you, Father, love the world. There is something about the unity amongst believers. Whether it's expressed in, in a home group, small group, triplet, local church gathering, churches across a town, churches across a city, churches in a country that gather together and say, we are for God. There is something powerful in that unity. That's why it's targeted by the enemy. That's why we don't see enough of it. Because it's a spiritual battleground. Best way to disable a church Get them to fight against each other within the church. Best way to disable a witness of churches in a community is to make them suspicious of one another and not be for one another, despite the differences they have. But if they are for Jesus, they should be one for one another all the time. That's what Jesus prays for. That's why it's a battleground. And Jesus prays that we might be with him and see his glory. I love this bit of the prayer. Jesus has prayed, I'm applying it to myself. Jesus has prayed for me that I may be with him and see his glory. And I am going there. I am going one day to be with Jesus and see his glory. Because he has promised it and he's prayed for it. Who's with me? Are you coming as well? That's the gospel. You can choose. You can choose to be close to God. You can choose to be in the Father's love. You can choose to be with Jesus forever. It is not difficult. It is believing his word. It is not believing the lies that are sown us. It is not believing the untruths that have been told us. Because all of us have faith. I was talking this week on Alpha about faith. And people were saying, well, well you know, you have faith in Jesus. But I don't have faith. I said, yes, you have faith. No, I don't have faith. Yes, you have faith. What do you believe in? I don't believe in nothing. You have incredible faith. That is amazing faith that you would believe in nothing. To stake the whole of eternity on nothing. Or whether it be the stars in the sky or whatever it is that you're trusting in. Why don't you trust Jesus Christ? The one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth who said the most amazing things. What is holding people back? It is the lies of the enemy. Jesus came to save. Why did he come to save? Because we're lost without him. Don't imagine for a moment that there's this kind of long, large middle ground 
where people can be safe. They don't have Jesus, but they're not against him. Jesus says, if you're not for me, you're against me. I've come to save you. That's why he's dying on the cross within hours of this passage, that you might be saved. I just love that bit. He prays that we might be with him and see his glory. I think we should stop there and just marvel for a moment. Because when he comes again, he's not going to come in Bethlehem and a little baby. He's going to come with the host of heaven and all those who have gone before us. And the whole, all the angels are going to come as well. And every eye will see him. And it will be judgment. So today, would you choose to be part of those who will see him and be with him forever? And if you already are, would you just reaffirm that and say, yes, Jesus prays for me. So I'm going to run for him. He's for me, am I for him? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.